the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV on Alive Nation's Friday. Great to be with you. Just made our way over from Florida State's uh, luncheon for the start of spring football that we alluded to in that first hour. Now we're live. Now we're good to go. And we have some thoughts, some reaction to all of it. Good times. There we go. I'm fixing my camera for everybody. There we go. Is that better? All right. So uh, that said, um, let's get right to that. That was a lot of fun. I always enjoy that. It's it, it, For those of you, let me set this up for you because it's not like anything really uh, that I've experienced in covering Florida State 20-plus years. This is the only staff, including Coach Bowden's staff back in the day, that has ever had the kind of really um, laid-back, easygoing, Opportunities for long-form, off-the-record discussions, get to know you, see how you're wired, what you're about, kind of conversations with coaches. And then you do on-the-record stuff, too. But it, it all happens after Mike Norvell gives his uh, sort of State of the Union press conference, if you will. He's kind of talking about his thoughts and his, uh, I guess, where he thinks the program's at, what he's looking forward to with spring football. He'll assess some of the newcomers. He'll assess the tour of duty like he did uh, again today. He'll talk a lot about what they're looking for and and all of that. And then you go and you line up and you get your lunch and you sit down and and there's a bunch of tables set up. And it's an opportunity to really talk with coaches. And it's coaches and, and media types mixing together and it could be a conversation about your family. It could be a conversation about uh you know where you're from, what kind of music you like. Could be all about football, maybe. Nothing about football at all. And then after that is over, there's a chance for stand-up video shoots and on-the-record interviews, audio, and the like. So I just think it's a, it's a great tool to provide context uh, for you as a listener or a viewer or a fan of Florida State football, a season ticket holder, a booster, somebody who's just mildly interested in these guys. Um, and, and I really do appreciate it. And uh, I, th- I think it's also smart. I really do. On a lot of levels. And you can learn a lot. You really can. And, you know, Tom, why don't we start with assessing in reaction uh, to Mike Norvell's press conference? Uh, Because I thought there were some telling aspects there, some things that he said that kind of clued you in, as always is the case with Mike. Mike's a smart guy. Uh, he'll, He'll give you answers to a question, but he'll tell you more than what he's telling you in the answer to the question, if you listen carefully. It is the um, between-the-lines sort of inferences. And, you know, I thought a couple of things here. Uh, He did talk about the added personnel behind the scenes, and he was thankful for that. And obviously he said, um, you know, the right things. Thanks to Coach, you know, don't listen to me say Coach. Thanks to uh, new athletic director Mike Alford, all of that, right? But then he also said, it's a necessity, uh, this is the, the landscape of college football now, and if you're going to compete and have an opportunity, you have to be able to do that. Um, and then he also said something about the actual players that I thought was interesting. Uh, Quote-unquote, uh, we're starting to look the part. Telling you that they didn't previous, and he knows it. He is aware of it. Um, you know, he's talking about the duality of building a team that buys in. So that's locker room stuff, right? That's the that's the philosophy, the work ethic, 
and the togetherness that you're trying to build coming out of a toxic situation. And there's no doubt he feels like they've succeeded in vetting, running off the people they needed to run off. He didn't use those terms. And then recruiting a certain type of kid while also upgrading the overall level of athleticism. So it's not just about physically transforming the players, although that's a big part of it. It's mentally and physically, but then finding the types of players that want to do the work and buy in who also can play. That's hard, right? That's hard. And he, you know, just saying we're starting to look the part tells me a lot about what he's had to work with and, and the understanding that, look, while I'm simultaneously fixing the culture, I know we've got to get better players here to get to where we want to go. And he does feel like they've upgraded there. I don't think they're where they want to be, but he certainly feels like they've upgraded quite a bit in that regard. Yeah, there were a few times during the presser where it felt like he wanted to say more. Mm. And he was holding himself back because he knows that there's still work at hand. But he, you know, when, when he immediately says out the gates that they're bigger, stronger, and faster, and that they feel like they're close, like we're, we're getting close, that tells me he's excited. He's really excited to coach this group, and there are some specific position groups that he was asked about where I think he clued us in on what they want to do as well, ideally speaking, but the kids have to go out there and earn it. That's the other thing is, like, you have all this stuff in theory, yeah, and that's the hard part about covering spring is even to a degree, the coaches love it because there's no opponent to prepare for. It's all about just getting better and speaking with them during the launch. To a man, everyone said, I'm just glad to have spring because spring is when you get better. You don't have to worry about game planning and install because that gets in the way of instruction and development. Right. But you got to go do it. You know, it, it's great to talk about and, and give platitudes to some of the transfers or some of the new recruits you bring in and how big and strong they are. But if they don't have the attitude or the consistency or the game is moving too fast or the offense or the defensive scheme doesn't jive with what they've learned and they have to unlearn some stuff from other places they've come from, whatever the reason then you can't play them, and you can't advance the mission. So that is the task at hand, and I think that's why he's, he's stopping himself short. But he has higher expectations for this group. There is no doubt about that. Well, quote-unquote, we're making major strides. We are seeing and making major strides. So, all right. You know, I, I, springtime is, you know, they, the line season and all that stuff people talk about. I, I mean, I get it. They do look better physically. They look like yeah, they have front more. Line, the starters yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. They, they look like guys that uh, can can play. Uh, starters look like guys that you know. They, that there's more. They're beginning to litter the ranks of the starting twenty-two with more guys that look the part. Yeah, probably twelve to fifteen, give or take. Yeah, they need more. They need a lot more to get to where we ultimately want to be. But now it's no longer a guy here or there that stands out to you the second you see him because they don't look like anybody else on the team. Now there's, yeah, double-digit guys that you're like, okay, that that's how you're supposed to look if you're going to have a chance to compete. The funny thing is that, you, you know, we are supposed to and we have to as media members. While mm -hmm. we are able to watch practices from start to finish, most every single one, I think the only ones that we're not allowed to this spring are the scrimmages, which come a couple of weeks from now. Um. But we are not allowed to talk about depth chart, obviously injuries, because families have to be contacted first, things like that. But we're not allowed to talk about, let's say, that there, there's an experimentation on the offensive line and you're shifting where guys are going left to right. That That's a no-no. Now we can say, or ask Mike after practice, hey, well, you know, are you working so-and-so out at tackle or guard or whatever? And if so, how's that going? And then he could choose to do with it what he will. Right. But that's why I want to go on the record early. 
I think he tipped his hand a little bit about what they want to do with the offensive the line. The versatility of the offensive line. Specifically with Darius Washington. He brought it up. He brought up his versatility more than once. They want to use and, and implement his versatility, which tells me they want to play him a guard. They Ideally, they want to play him a guard because one time that he mentioned that, right after it he said, this is a big camp for Lloyd Willis. Okay. So now you're telling me, because he also remarked that Robert Scott had a good offseason. All right, so if Robert Scott had a good offseason and he's in your good graces, he's going to play tackle, obviously. And then you say we want to use the versatility of Darius Washington. Well, there's there's only two tackle spots, and if Rod's taken one, or Robert Scott has taken one, excuse me, then where else would he go? He issued the challenge, Tom. He said this is a huge spring for Lloyd Wills and Rod Orr. He mentioned it Rod at the end. I think he threw that in almost as, he, as an extra. Well, but when I think he he's said, trying to motivate for, here, yeah. For Lloyd Willis, there was a different look in the eye. I was like, okay. Like, so hey, man, now, let's go. in his mind, ideally, you've got Scott and Willis on the outside, and then the interior is Gibbons, Lyles, and Darius Washington. Fascinating. That could be fun if... Lloyd Willis earns it. That's the other part of this whole conversation. Offensively, how about his uh, glowing praise for and expectation of Benson? Uh, I thought that was interesting. Now, he describes him, of course, as a big back, 6'1", 220-ish, 215-ish, somewhere in there, right? But says that he's already hit all the top speed markers they were looking for. The agility is there. They're going to bring him along slowly like they did with Corbin. He mentioned that, but he has been fully cleared to go, and they've seen those top-end numbers that they were hoping to see, which tells me, okay, you got a kid coming off of an injury. You you know immediately that he's been medically cleared, which is the only reason you'd bring him in once you get a good bill of health, right? Okay, so fine. You get a good bill of health. He comes in. Then he gets here, and you're going, all right. I don't need you to be good right now in spring. I need you to be able to work and be able to continue to work and get back to full strength. But let's see if that speed, and I think I'm reading into it, that he's trying to find out, is the speed you had that caused me to be interested in you before you went elsewhere when I recruited you the first time around, is the speed that I saw uh, there, is it back? Because the answer, according to him, is yes. So a big back who can really go, and he said nice things about him. So they're going to rely heavily on him. And based upon Benson's interview as a newcomer here to Tallahassee, he's nasty. He wants to hit you. So he's not afraid of contact. So if you've got the size, the willingness Mm -hmm. to be physical, you don't want to just rush to the sidelines and get out of bounds, and you've got top-end speed, That there's potential there. But I think They need it, though. That's not a dynamic room. They need it. Agreed. I think this is a time, though, to go on the record with whatever we think because there are some things we won't be able to say once spring practice begins. That's why I almost want to take those guesses. Also, man. What a non-announcement or, or non-mention of a couple of the veteran receivers. This is a critical camp for Pokey Wilson and Keyshawn Helton because when Mike was asked about receivers, he said, well, we wanted to bring in guys with experience to mix with a couple of young players that did very well last year. Yeah. Well, my God, <laughs> sir. So uh, if I'm Keyshawn or I'm Pokey Wilson, right, I'm saying, right. oh, I better show no, out I mean, or point, I'm going to shove off. At some point, right? Don't you just kind of say, I mean, look, I'm not sure these guys are going to be any better than what they've been, which is marginal. Correct. I've got some hope for Keyshawn. I do too. I root for him. I like him, but I don't know. You know, I mean, it's not. He's not. But if you get supplanted, that's the whole. That's his purpose right now. And that's clearly that's the other side. The one thing we liked about what Willie said, not to the members of Florida State's community, but to players, and to we saw those videos. You, yeah, it's my job to recruit over you. Now, yeah. He didn't do a great job of it. Nope. 
But that's clearly a tenor. He didn't say it out loud. But Competition is the tenor going into camp. Mike was talking about that today, in a sense. I, I, you know what? I've recruited or gone to the portal and dipped into the portal to recruit over what we don't have. Period. Huge amounts of competition. He's fostering intense, nasty, hardcore competition. Good. Have to. That's where it starts. That's where it all happens. That's where you, you, know, you take that battle day-to-day in camp for reps, the opportunity to start or get on the field at all if you don't start. You take all of that, and you know we, we joke about it. Corey says it, and we all laugh about it. We actually had a coach say it the other day, Coach Storm say it. Iron sharpens iron. That's what you're talking about. Like, let's get after it and make each other better. I want to beat you. You want to beat me. Ultimately, we're on the same team. We have the same goals. But, you know, that only elevates the level of play. They haven't had enough depth of talent segment by segment to really create and foster the kind of competition he was alluding to today. I think he he feels much better about the ability to create that now because there are real jobs on the line. Yeah, the one person I got to talk to today at length on the record was Marcus Woodson. Everybody on Warchan had an assignment for yeah. a different coach, and my dumb ass went with a vertical, vertical video instead of a horizontal video. But anyway, mm-hmm. you'll find that on Warchan TV. And um, I, one question I asked him was, you know, for us, it's this is a hard position to break down. We just did a video on it. There are so many names, and he started to smile right away because he knows where I'm going. That's got to be awesome. For you. have that many people as yeah. a coach in the defensive backfield to have all of these names with the talent to juggle and create and foster that competition. But not only that, for Coach Woodson, if those receivers are decent, then those battles every day make you doubly good. Because if I'm a defensive back on this roster, I'm worried about my job getting being taken by somebody else having a good day. And then also, I need to be on my P's and Q's because there's somebody across the football from me that can do something about it if I have to. Right, right. Well, I mean, what a concept but it's nice to be there, at least in one position battle. Florida State will take on NC State tomorrow at 2 p.m. at the TLC Double C. Televised if you're not going on ESPN2, by the way. And so it is that Florida State has secured a winning record, as I noted before, at 16-13. and 13. But 9-10 and 10 in the ACC, they got a chance to get to 500. I will do a quick little preview on that here coming up. Some bad news there on uh, Cameron Fletcher, who is now out for the year. Who? Anybody else want to be out for the year? Not much year left. But uh, anybody else that has had a marginally positive impact on this team want to get hurt before we call it a day? Because that's just about everybody. Whatever non-COVID virus Matthew Cleveland has, let's fix that just in time for a trip up to Brooklyn. But, uh, yeah, I was – Cameron Fletcher can give you 8 to 12 good minutes, and uh, that hurts the magical week in Brooklyn. But it's not going to kill it yet as long as we get Cleveland back. Very frustrating. If you're thinking about solar panels, don't forget to think about the condition of your roof before you sign a solar panel contract. Call T-Spark Enterprises, roofing and construction, to come out and inspect that roof. The last thing you want to do is have to pay an additional, say, ten grand or more to remove your newly installed panels to have a new roof put on. There's a benefit, obviously, to replacing your roof at the same time you have solar panels installed. There are opportunities for tax credits. You can save some money with all of this. In addition, you want to make sure your roof can handle the weight of solar panels and that your roof will not need to be repaired or replaced. Uh, so there's a lot on the line when you make that decision to make the switch. And if you're thinking about it, my man, T-Spark, roofing and construction, uh, they are qualified, they are certified, and they are waiting on your call. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV.
Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply i see you victor hovland good job buddy all right, Victor. Shoots a cool 66 out there today, and uh, that'll work. The old six under on the afternoon. Uh, the course average is very difficult today, so that's a number and a half. Yeah, not having it. He's nine under par in the lead at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Presented by MasterCard. Uh, I know, they should pay me. Rory McIlroy, currently even par on the day on number four. Some of the other big names I'll get to in a bit. You guys don't want to hear that. You don't care. Probably care, though. You want to know how I'm doing gambling-wise, and I appreciate your concerns. So I'll definitely let you know. Top of the list. I'm doing very well, if you must know, because I had Victor Hovland. Uh, NC State leading the all-time series against Florida State. Now, that that's a that's a tragedy. You know... The other day, I was kind of surprised, and I've been a couple, kind of surprised a couple times. I always check the all-time records against teams in the ACC since we've joined, and just overall records that we have against our opponents. And you know, I think I told you, it's nice to see that we retain a winning record against Virginia. That's a program they're very proud of themselves. It's got to eat at them that a program like Florida State has an all-time winning record against them. And while that was impressive, I am equally dismayed as I was impressed. Uh, by the fact that we have a losing record against NC State. No, man. There's a chance to chip away, Tom. It's 31-29 all time. 31-29 in favor of the Wolfpack. The Knowles have won seven of the last eight meetings. Get you some. That's right. We're carving into it. We are whittling it down. We are. Nicely done. You don't get to use whittling all that often, including the last four here at the TLCCC that we've won. Uh, we're 15-14 and 14 against NC State. In the Leonard Hamilton era, he has a winning record. But our fourteen and seven against uh, the Herb Sednek ever since against them since Herb Sednek rolled out to Arizona State after the 06 season, five and three against Sidney Lowe. Remember him? Five and three against Mark Gottfried. Four and one against Kevin Keats. That's the current coach. Most people, I bet, even in this conference, you've said Who, who's coaching NC State. They wouldn't get it. I would have gotten that one. It would have just been is Kevin Keats still there? That would have been the question. Mm. FSU is 16-8 overall at the TLCCC against the Wolfpack, including 7-5 here. That's woefully close. That doesn't make a lot of sense. We met earlier this year. You guys know that in Raleigh. Uh, it was an 18-day COVID pause that we were coming off of at the time, and uh, it was important, and we needed it, and we escaped with an 83-81 win, and that kind of, at the time, we thought, might start to jumpstart all of this, and in some ways it did, but then, you know, every single player on the team got hurt. So what are you going to do? The uh, win. That's what we're going to do. Well, I hope. win. Uh, 
if you think about this, the, the Wolfpack do have three guys that can score, and we're going to have to play well on defense, and we haven't played well on defense, but Sebron and Helms can score and Smith can score, so we're going to need to uh, rise up here at home and play some defense. Senior day will mark the end of FSU uh, FSU careers for the likes of Raquan Evans, Tanner and Gom. Never really had that breakout year that uh, we were waiting on. Harrison Prieto and uh, Justin Linder, all of whom now will have exhausted their eligibility. I think Prieto gets it again, right? I don't know if Linder does, if he counts. I don't know that he had a senior day last year, but uh, parents could be in the building again. That's yeah. kind of cool. Uh, redshirt seniors, Anthony Polite, Malik Osborne, Wyatt Wilk, still have one year of eligibility remaining due to the COVID exemption. I would suggest that we've gotten all that we could have out of uh, Wyatt Wilkes. He's probably uh, free to move on. Perhaps there could be an NIL incentive for one Anthony Polite. He could be useful. Certainly want Malik Osborne to choose to come back. Yeah, That'd yeah. be great. Saturday's other six ACC games are uh, highlighted by Coach K saying goodbye, buddy. Calling it a day at Cameron Indoor against North Carolina. The Tar Heels obviously would love to spoil the uh, going away party. Uh, you soon enough will not be able to uh, reflect and utilize your impersonation of Coach K. So long, farewell, Alvita saying goodbye, gold <laughs> medals, final fours. That's it. You know what's good about your impression of Coach K is that it begins so good and it ends poorly. The longer you do it, the more difficult it is for you to sustain the level of it's, nasaliness necessary. It actually kind of hurts. Yeah. It does. Yeah. I've noticed that over, like, some guys you can you can stay in character for an hour. Other guys, it's like, oh, he's got about a two-minute window here. He's going to lose it. His own voice is starting to creep in. Oh, my name's Richard Smith. I've been doing the Tom Lang thing for years. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> The current ACC standings are as follows. Duke, Carolina, Notre Dame, Miami, Wake, Virginia Tech, Virginia, Florida State. And of the group, who do we think is going to the tournament? Well, it's a good resume for Virginia Tech. They sit at 32 in the net, 27 Ken Palm. They're 11-8 and in conference. They're 19-11 overall. I feel like they ought to get in. Wake Forest is top 40 in both as well. Uh, North Carolina is currently top 40 in both. Duke is obviously uh, easily getting in uh, as they sit 26-4. and four. Uh, But it's interesting because that Notre Dame loss hurt them. They're 21-9. and nine. That loss, that... Yeah, if they lose to Pitt. That was a kick in the, kick in the boys. By the way, also... Does it matter to you how many teams get in from the ACC? Because I couldn't care less. No, like I, this could, year, I couldn't care less. I hope either. it gets worse for the ACC. I root against the ACC a little bit. Well... Especially when they don't help us. Then that's, there's no rising right. tide to help this boat. So screw them. All of them. Yeah. I'd like the reputation of the league to remain in good standing for the overall health of the conference and its efforts to win people over to come here in baseball and football and other sports, you know. And I think it all adds up. So, you know, you're, you're underestimating the importance of a – of a national championship, say, in, like, lacrosse. Stuff, oh, well. <laughs> you know? And, and how it affects all the other programs. <laughs> I assure you that the television channel is not. And that payoff <laughs> from all of that coverage is going to come in the way of windfalls of money oh, can't for wait. that television network and the ACC in general. You get an extra burger at lunch, everybody. In 2072 when this contract is up. The FSU 
uh, women did pull off the 63-58 win over Boston College yesterday in that 8-9 game of the ACC tournament in Greensboro, advancing to play number 1 seed NC State. That's going on right now, I believe. Uh, Double-check that score. I think it's happening right now. Coach Sue's squad is 17-12 and 12 overall. Their net ranking is 46. Um, they moved into... They they went away they went away from last four out to last four in with that victory, which indicates obviously that was a big ass win. Now I don't know if that game is currently on, but I think it, it is. is second quarter. Wolfpack at the end of one lead by seven. Okay, FSU shot fifty percent in the first quarter, and uh, Wolfpack ended up shooting fifty six percent. So a critically important day for the for for the women's team to to go out and at least play well here. They may have played their way into the tournament with the win yesterday, but can't go out here and get blown out. So knock on wood, maybe they'll come back and win the game. Who knows? Jeff Cameron, show ninety three three Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Yeah, I'm gonna piggyback off the commercial that just ran with my boys. Chad and Shannon, the legendary team at Hamilton Home Loans. Find out more about all of that uh, easygoing experience uh, and and efficient and uh, and successful and and uh, cutting edge technology and transparent communication and five star mortgage process. Yeah, that's what you want to do. Go to fsuhomeloans.com. Fsuhomeloans.com. I may be doing that soon enough. I was. I'm ratcheting up the rhetoric around the Cameron household oh. these days. Yeah, that's an important thing. Yeah, if the rhetoric is changing, that yeah. is when you get a world news report. I am starting to ratchet ratchet up the rhetoric around the house. I'm tired of kind of being passive aggressive. Now I'm just being aggressive. It really doesn't get you anywhere. Passive aggressive gives you a, a measure of self satisfaction in the beginning, but in the long run, it's worth nothing at all. You start early with one passive aggressive comment. In the hopes to gauge reaction and perhaps just a it's a message being sent, not a shot over the bow, Tom, but just sort of a just so you know I'm thinking about getting rid of this place. I think the passive aggressive usage ratio in the workplace is higher when you hate your boss. Right? Because you're like <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well there's a different yeah, there's different kinds of passive aggressive. But in general, I found in my thirty five years of living, mm. it it really doesn't get you anywhere. You're better to just be direct. You know, my, my Brooklyn uh, bringing, upbringing is correct. Nobody would ever accuse me of not being blunt. Oh, that's correct. Right. Yeah, you got no time for passive-aggressive. No, I'm just aggressive. Uh, boisterous, blunt, right to it. Now, I can be passive-aggressive. Uh, I uh, had to be the other day with somebody in the in the working world on the Sirius XM side of things. Oh, that's a good story. Uh, I don't want to tell that story. Maybe one day I'm bellying up. Mm-hmm. I'm still it's like, man, that's what we're doing up out here, huh? Okay. And you would have laughed because you know me, and you'd have been like, "Oh, I, this is—it's happening." It's I, no, about I would to happen. Been, I would have been uncomfortable because I would have seen the facial expression when the moment happened, and you have to wait ten or fifteen minutes to cash that in. Yeah, and you're going, "Okay, countdown to this is going to get ugly in a minute when they get a commercial break." Well, but the question would be at that point for you is, it has enough time passed for this hammer to be a little bit more blunt? Not this one. Yeah. Most of the time, the answer is yes, not that one. Not this hammer had like a little pickaxe on I it. I was pissed. There's some sharpness I to it. I was pissed, and I don't normally get pissed. I have respect for everybody's job in the process. Everybody's got something they got to do, but, man, you're out there on the front lines as a host. You can't have people messing you up looking like a fool. It's a clown question, bro. Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing here? So I want to answer Carol's question on a Libations Friday. Carol says, so what about the quarterback room? 
Did Norvell or anybody else mention it today, perhaps with a competitive battle for either Tate or Duffy to prove themselves as the backup to Jordan Travis? I worry that if Jordan gets hurt, but that thought. Uh, yeah, not, not directly like that. I think he was very excited about what A.J. Duffy brings to the table. Uh, yeah. So he talked about his speed, you know. Did you note that? I yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um I I am not as excited about his speed per se. I do like that he's a put together kid and a lot bigger than people expressed it to me on the message boards anyhow. I mean, I I was kind of like they act like AJ Duffy's a midget and I'm like uh, or or a little person. Sorry. And I'm like, "No, no, no. Uh, wait, wait, what?" Passive aggressive. No. He's a, he's a uh, he's built. He's, he's, you know, he's a solid yeah. kid. Um, that was uh, during the workouts, tour of duty. I think everybody took a moment to do that when they were in the quarterbacks, the quartet yes. of them, and Tokar's was giving them, it's like they do a drop back, and then there's a communication. He's like, okay, so this is what happens. Where are you going? So they could do mental reps, I suppose. That's how mm-hmm. they would put it. And I'm going down the line, and I'm looking, I'm like, man. He's not that small. Comparing to these other guys, he's. No. He looks sturdier than Jordan right yes, now. Yes, uh, agreed. So, Carol. I'm going to answer your question here. This is Jordan Travis's team, and you you notice that you say it in your in your comments here. You realize that that the people at, in that position room are battling to be a backup. That is true. Um, I think there's uh, what's not said tells me a lot, right? Tate really didn't get mentioned much today, and AJ Duffy did, even Gino English did. So yeah. that tells me enough. Yeah, Duffy was mentioned again. So Mike said he's one of our fastest skill position players in terms of top-end speed when you get to that number. But then he says that to go along with the strong arm to make the throws. And Okay, so you're describing that you like every one of his tools. Mm-hmm. And to mention his ability to run is interesting to me because that tells me subtext-wise they expect him to be the backup. Now, that might be overstepping, but that's how I read it because this offense is going to have elements in it. It has to with Jordan Travis mm-hmm. in which running the quarterback is a part of the offense. And so if you're going out of your way on a question that's not talking about A.J. Duffy's legs at all to mention to bring him? up his yeah, legs, that yeah. tells me that you know, maybe subconsciously you're looking at, all right, we can run the offense that we run with Jordan with A.J. and he's got the cannon of the arm to make some throws. So they um, love his potential a lot. Yeah, it was uh... – it was interesting to listen to him talk about the quarterback room, primarily because, A, you're right, he's excited about A.J. Duffy's future here. B, it's clear it's Jordan Travis's team. He's excited about what Jordan Travis can do. He feels like he's brought in some guys, plus there's going to be better offensive line play that give him an opportunity to take the step forward that we all want him to take. He loves his leadership. He loves his work ethic. That's all well and good. Nothing we say here about Jordan Travis in the spring is going to matter at all because last year – we watched Jordan Travis in the spring. We watched Jordan Travis in the fall. We saw signs, evidence that he was about to take a step forward, and the season started, and he hadn't. Not in terms of reading progressions and reading the defense and going through said progressions and throwing the ball accurately from the pocket in rhythm, hit your back foot, let it go. That hadn't happened. The Notre Dame game started, and we went, oh, man. And, and it really was frustrating. Now, by the end of the year, had he gotten better in those areas? Yes. Is he good at it? No. No. Okay. So, so, so let's see. Here's a question for you then. As you watch Duffy this spring. and I'll be our, watching closely, yes. Right. Our eyes trained to different parts of the field in different days, what, what have you. How much of an eye towards being the backup are you, are you thinking about 
Duffy and evaluating Duffy as you watch him? Like, are you thinking, okay, can he be the number two as you're watching it and evaluating what you're seeing? Or are you just saying, let's see what tools he's got in a year. We'll, we'll figure it out. How much are you thinking oh, about the close. now? I'm when watching you're closely at because Jordan Travis hasn't been able to get through a season. And listen, my biggest issue with this isn't so much that I think he's going to go out on a football field and get hurt, although it's entirely possible. Uh, it's that, you know, last year, and it's enough times passed, I can just say it. He missed a ton of practices leading up to the season. He wasn't available to practice. Well, damn it, man. You can't get better. You can't lead a team. You can't be dependable. It's not his fault. I'm not mad at him. But the bottom line is if you're missing a week's worth of practices with various maladies, that ain't, that's no bueno, man. That's not going to work. So And there was a quote-unquote battle at the time for well, the position, too. Okay, yeah. so, yeah, man, I care deeply about who the backup's going to be because we're probably going to see his ass in a game. So, yeah, I care about who it's going to be, and I'll be watching very closely. I had somebody tell me this the other day. I'll share this, and I can't tell you who said it. But he's a guy who knows football. He's coached in football. He's worked in football his whole life. He told me that he thinks Tate Rodemaker will help this football team, whether it's at quarterback or not, quote-unquote. What? That he's that good an athlete that it's, they'll find a place for him if he is not going to be the backup quarterback. Who told you that? I'm sorry. Some unnamed person? Yeah, I told you I can't tell you who oh, okay. it is. It's a guy who's lived, coached, played football his whole life. He's in professional football. Okay. He thinks that highly of Tate Rodemaker. And I said, you're insane. Yeah, like, to do what? He th- Can he punt? Well, no, Matt no, Romano's rem- good. Can he kick? Now, remember this. Remember this. Remember the video where Tate, I, did he? What was he doing? I don't know. It was a video like he did something extremely athletic. Like flip, and, yeah. We, well, we were all stunned. We were all stunned that he was that oh, athletic. He, yeah, he can move. He can move, and he's athletic, and was a great high school athlete. And so this guy's contention was, look, man, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I do think someday he's going to help this football team in some capacity. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa I'm going to pin you down on this because you can't be all nebulous here. You, what do you mean? If he doesn't play quarterback, how is he going to help this team? Is he going to be a starting safety? He's like, no, but he, he, it wouldn't shock me if he helped him at a wide receiver somewhere on the depth chart at some point. I was like, really? Over the guys we just brought no, in? No, no, I don't think he believes he's a star. I think he would be in the rotation in his mind. Scout team? I'm not telling you that I think that. This person right, said right. that, and I found it fascinating because he, this person's not dumb. Right, and he is athletic. I'm, I'm not you know, saying that he isn't. Of course he is. But, man, I mean, we just brought in basically a class worth of veterans you know, so if that would be the shift, you can't pump him with steroids and get him to two thirty and make him the new Wyatt Rector or something like that. No, you know that was a question that we ran out of time during the press conference, but I wanted to ask about the tight end room. Yeah, with you know Jordan Wilson was good at the back end of the year. Who the hell is going to fill in for him? Because he was actually an asset at the end of the season last year. That's a very different position of tight end that he was playing, Jordan Wilson, versus what they're asking Cam McDonald. Who, is it Douglas? Like who the hell is going to be that? Marcus and Douglas is a. 395-pound tight end, sure, I guess. I mean, But can they be good at specifically it? Specifically to the role you're talking about as a blocker, it would have to be him. Right. Who, who the hell else could it be? Well, but I wanted to hear how Mike talked about that player yeah, because yeah, that'll yeah, give yeah, you a yeah, clue yeah. as to how he feels about whoever it is. I would tell you, uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, it, 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 to me, the candidate for 
biggest step forward contributor contributor in the offense that didn't make a single play on the field last year has to be Jackson West. He's got the requisite disposition. He's mean. He's physically imposing. A big, strong kid. Is not afraid to hit you, not afraid to block. Cares deeply, right? So, I don't know. He's got to step forward within this offense, doesn't he? I still don't know what was it about his game a year ago that couldn't see him get on the field. Now, I'm not saying he should have been. I'm saying he must not have known the offense. Yeah, it's possible. It has to be that he didn't know the offense. Yeah. It has to be. Well, and, and maybe at the time that they were throwing their hands to this guy about Jordan, things got better for Wilson. You know, because at about the halfway point, things changed. Yeah, yeah. but not a single freaking catch. Oh, yeah, I know. I mean, so that tells me, again, uh, that has to be that he just didn't know what the hell he was doing. That the physical was there, the work ethic is there, the disposition is there, all of that, the tools are there, but I don't know what I'm doing. So, okay, maybe, maybe. And if he does, then let's see if he's a candidate to take a massive step forward. Like, if I told you over under uh, receptions for Jackson West, ten and a half. Oh, man. Well, we're playing Duquesne. I'll take it's the a over. pretty good number, right? It is a good number. Yeah. Duquesne is three or four. There you go. All right. It's Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. North Florida Payroll Services, locally owned for nearly 15 years, offering payroll and HR services, including full online applicant onboarding and integration into payroll. Save your company money and headaches today at the NorthFordaPayroll.com. Uh, what you got, Tommy? What you got? Ah, I'm ready today. Mm. I've got a futures market. Me too. You, Me you too. do? Yeah. Let's what go. sport? College basketball. Okay. I've got one in hockey. Let's go. And you might say, well, Tom, because you're a Tampa Bay fan and the Pittsburgh Penguins have killed your team twice this year, yeah, I know. you're biased. And I'd say BS. Pittsburgh plays a pretty good brand of hockey that is fit for the playoffs. I know what it looks like. I've just watched two Stanley Cup champions in the Tampa Bay Lightning play exactly this way. Back to back. A heavy brand of hockey yeah, to the Pittsburgh Penguins Which bothers play. me that we take ass kickings then. What are we doing? Uh, we need to Soft wake our asses, asses up. Let's go. Yeah, as Pat Maroon said last night, they handed it to us pretty good, yeah. and they did. That's twice this year. But the way they play in the deck they have, they're healthy as can be right now, and that never happens in Pittsburgh, has in the last 15 years. They are a 16-1 to proposition right now, plus 1,600 to win the Cup. They're at least, to me, a top-four team in hockey when it comes to cup favorites. Oh, buddy, look at you. And those odds would be at 10-1. to 1. So you're getting great value at 16-1 to 1 to take a chance on it with some pizza money. That's a t- The East is very tough. They might not come out of it. They might get upset early, but they play the right brand of hockey. The only problem Pittsburgh has is their goaltending. So we'll see. Before I get into wagering, I would like to relay some news. Uh, a new species of prehistoric crocodile has been discovered with a dinosaur in its stomach. The prehistoric crocodile likely consumed the ornithopod shortly before its own death at the hands of an even larger creature 95 million years ago, Tom. Oh, yeah, 95 million years ago. That is correct. Show me the bones. I will. Paleontologists came across a 95-million-year-old crocodile skeleton in Queensland, Australia, because of course they did. That's right, not here, not in our backyard. They... (laughs) 
They got more than they bargained for. Dinosaurs keeping you distracted from what's really happening. Not only was the crocodile a previously unknown species of crocodile, but it also had the remains of a dinosaur in its stomach. Extraordinary, raved Matt White, an association at the Australian Age of Dinosaur Museum, who led the research into the discovery. This is the first time that a crocodile has been discovered with a dinosaur in its stomach. White and a team of paleontologists and volunteers came across the croc back in 2010. It's huge, Tom. Took all that time to just slowly sweep away the sand. That's where I'd get frustrated. I don't think I have the patience to do that. They didn't expect to uh, make this stunning find. They were actually looking for uh, a sauropod. So they went, it took them 12 years and 12 minutes. You'd be like, this is stupid. Well, I'd be like, there's got to be a better way. There has to be. There has to be a better way. As researchers examined the fossil, they made two exciting finds. One, the eight-foot crocodile appeared to be a previously undiscovered species. Two, it had the remains of that dinosaur in its stomach. They had never found that before. And so uh, uh, they named it Confracosaurocacathonos, meaning broken dinosaur killer. Which comes from the Latin for, yes. if you're going to have a guy for another year, make it Anthony <laughs> Polite or Malik Osborne. Uh, because the bones were tightly intertwined, researchers then used x-rays, CT scans, and 3D computer modeling to examine them more closely. That's what we should be doing. That, we, could, we should start with that. Did you read the article? Yeah, that should be the baseline from here on out. Yeah. My, you know, mm-hmm. We could advance this and, and make this much better. Yeah. That there were three types of T-Rexes? Not, not, yes, yeah, I did not read one. Of course I read that, yes. Yeah. I figured uh, you did. Yes. By the way... So what I saw in the New York Museum is, uh, is a lie. That, that well, be, that's a combination of three T-Rexes. What a lie. Maybe. That thing never now, hold, existed. Hold on, hold on, dude. Don't do that. Uh, you know what station we're on. He and his team determined that the dinosaur was eaten by the crocodile, and then uh, not long after, uh, the crocodile was killed. Probably by an even bigger. Uh, Tough times being a dinosaur, boy. I'll tell you what. Tough times. Nature's tough. Give me. You think you had it tough? How about the dinosaurs? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Get up and go to work. Now imagine. Imagine, though, you're just constantly looking over your shoulder. Good God. Here I am as a dinosaur floating about. Wagaya! Crocodile grabs me. I'm done dealing. Crocodile's like, yeah, got me some dinosaur. And then, wagaya! Now I'm dead. What kind of dinosaur would you be? If you could be a dinosaur. I would have been one of those giant uh, amphibious something. I would have been in the water. Really? Well, in the water. The monsters, like the giant ones, like the ten times the size of the great white shark or whatever. I'd be mm. like that guy. I think pterodactyl is fairly safe. There's a whole lot of chaos going down on the yeah, ground there. Yeah, you're right. I'm, like, I'm just going to stay up here. Hey, guys, I told you about it last week. I told you about it yesterday. I'm going to tell you about it again here. Go to Prize Pick, sign up, use the promo code WARCHANT. Uh, because I won again, guys. Yesterday, I had Sergio Garcia under four, under five for shots on number 16. He carded a four, and I married that with John ja Morant over 29.5 points last night for Memphis against Boston. He had 38, and I won money. I also had Sung J.M. and Hideki Matsuyama under five shots on hole 16. Both came in with birdies, married those two together as a tag team, won money. I also had Keegan Bradley under nine and a half fairways hit. He had seven. I had Tommy Fleetwood under nine fairways hit. He had eight. That's a winner, winner. There we go. Another one with prize picks. And I won with Kevin Kisner and Billy Horschel. I am killing prize picks. They want no part of this. What's the over under on Keegan Bradley's coolness factor? 
How about him and Billy? Do they equal one cool person? No. The two of them? God, Over under no. one cool person. Not even a quarter of a cool person, those two guys. They're just think how tight Billy Horschel's pants are no. and you run for the hills. No, it's thank so you. unsettling. I'll pass. I can't watch golf. Every time they're like, oh, let's go to Billy Horschel on number seven. Like, let's not click. Let's not do that. It's kind of like some of uh, our uh, our head coach's choices on a game day. You're like, my man, oh, the schmedium today. Oh. <laughs> I see you. Well, he's at least wearing that in his top. Right. He's not doing that with his pants. Uh, well, I don't study that. Pants no, thank are, you. can't do that. I mean, it's unavoidable with Billy. And the problem with Billy Ho, not only is he a gator, but he wears those pants and they're white. Like, So we're going to wear pants that right, are too tight right, and yeah. white. There, on a hot afternoon. There's a saying in, in my house that goes back and forth between the wife and I. She says, God bless baseball pants to that end. Yes. And I say, God bless softball pants. To that end. Like, and it's Kermit and it's Christian just, Bale. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. God bless softball pants is right. Yeah. Tom. Oh, yeah. This team's loaded. Very talented team. Good work out of you. Good work, Matthew. Be well, everybody. Have a, an outstanding weekend. We'll be back with you on Monday. Take care. Be good.